We're on Hollywood Boulevard. We are. And we really have a good reason, I think, to speed a little bit. We took a week off last week for mostly great reasons. Uh, We talk about it in greater length uh, at the top of Back on the Block. So if you want to hear more, um, do feel free to give that one a listen, too. Um, But basically... Karen's awesome daughter graduated from high school and Karen also became a prize winning journalist last week. Yeah. So that was a pretty fruitful one. Yeah. It's been, it's been a busy, you know, been a busy week or so. Um, but it's, Nice to be back here with you on the block in the boulevard. Well, it's nice to be back and it's nice to have you and to have uh, things to celebrate and things, uh, uh, I think, nice things to talk about. I know I have some nice things to say. (laughs) Things to bitch about, yeah. (laughs) So maybe that too. I mean, should we kind of pick up where we left off with what we were talking about? Yeah, because, uh, I mean, I hope that that it also happened to some of our listeners, but you definitely piqued my own curiosity. So take it away. Okay, so uh, what did it, for those just joining us that do not like our Melrose Place recaps, um, Melrose Place... Or maybe just be too busy. I understand, I understand. Um, You know, Melrose Place is in a particularly tough spot right now. We're at season seven, which is their final season. And boy, has this thing jumped the shark, right? I think we can safely say that. Um, Yeah, the shark is like a dot in the review. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, like they jumped it like a season and a half ago, maybe two. Um, So I, I I kind of feel like... There were there TV shows, and for a while, a lot of TV shows were really good about it, about sort of going out on the high note. Like when I think about shows like Breaking Bad, where you just were riveted until the very last episode, right? And they like cut it off. Um, and, you know, and there have been other shows that have done that, that have stayed as yeah. good yeah. Or, or better than when they started. And then there are shows like Melrose Place, and I'm starting to get more of those it seems like who you're just sort of it just it's just painful now and they are a shadow of their former selves so i mean i'm curious as to some examples you might have um okay so some examples would be cobra kai oh i hate to say it interesting i i still have not finished the season because i can't because that, that for you is quite a come down. I know because it felt it just feels very one. It, I feel like we're doing this again, are we? Like there is no kind of like growth or forward movement on on the show. It just feels like we're rewatching the same season over and over and over again, just with a different cast of characters. Yeah, well, what they're basically doing—they just keep move, they just keep yeah. move moving forward through the trilogy, and so they just keep bringing new old favorites in. But the storylines are kind of now redundant, aren't they? Yes, exactly. And they're even getting redundant for the teen characters too. Yes, exactly. And frankly, I didn't. Wa- I didn't watch Karate Kid three because ew, it was ter- like you know what I mean. It <laughs> was the same thing with the. <laughs> It was the same thing with these sequels, right? With with like the TV epi- like episodes, endless episodes. We do this with movies too, where we just like it's too many. Like now you're Fast and the Furious. You know how I feel about that franchise. I do. It can do no wrong until the last Fast and Furious, and I don't know if I can watch it anymore because it was terrible. 
It was truly, truly terrible. And so, you know, for all that I, as somebody who loved that franchise, forgave, even, even, you know, The Rock coming on and being a doofus, which, and you know, I forgive The Rock a lot because I love The Rock. Yeah. But he just, he really started getting worse and worse and worse. And even that spinoff that he did with Jason Statham, Statham, Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. Oh God, that was awful. They clearly gave Dwayne creative control and that was a bad idea. Um, So you like him when he's the rock, but when you have something pejorative to say he's Dwayne, I get it. I see you. Got (laughs) it. (laughs) But, you know, so I'm see, I see it with fast and furious. I, you know, I see it with Cobra Kai and I hate to say it, but I'm seeing it with Peaky Blinders. Oh, I was so wondering if that was going to be included in there. Yeah. Did you? I haven't seen, I haven't seen the newest season to, so I have no opinion there. And I have again, no knowledge, period. I'm only one episode in, but again, it feels like, oh God, this is going to be, this is going to be hard to get through. And I want to get through it because I loved it so much. I love those first few seasons, the first season so much. And, and I was a little bit worried about losing Aunt Polly, you know, um, Helen McCrory passed mm, away yeah. from cancer and I, and she was a big part of that show for me, really. I mean, she was tremendous, tremendous performance, wonderful character, um, wonderful, complicated character, but you could kind of start to see some cracks last season when Michael, mm. her son showed up. That's when I started seeing some cracks. I didn't, I wasn't like nuts about his storyline. And now it seems Peaky Blinders is giving him an even bigger storyline in this season. Oh, and um and i'm pretty disappointed in that and you know and i think we lost an, a couple of characters along the way that were kind of like my favorites and i forgot his brother's name now but um arthur yeah arthur and like i know that i spent like a good part of watching these later episodes yelling please don't kill arthur at my tv set because i love him so much and i feel like they did sort of like kill some sacred cows to me you know, yeah me. yeah um you know and like obviously they weren't gonna kill off Aunt polly but the actor passed away and then, yeah you know um so it's really not their fault but i'm i'm definitely worried about you know going into uh peaky blinders which really bums me out because I love that's that that's so a much. that's a shame to hear yeah, but you know, I just kind of feel like, um, and you know, Stranger Things. Now I've heard, I haven't even started watching it yet because I was so disappointed in last season. But I have heard that this fourth season is way, way better than the third season was. Um, which I thought the only redeeming part of season three was Steve, and apparently with season four we get more Steve, and it's kind of. I don't like, want to repeat myself because I think you, I think we had the Steve conversation last time. Yeah, I. Yeah, I I mean, I like season four. I think it, it is broader than the last season, even maybe the second season was. It, it, it just like covers more territory in every possible way. Okay. Um, but it's I think it's like it's definitely for the Steve lover in you. Okay. Obviously, there's two other episodes dangling out there until July I haven't seen. Um, I mean, I think there's a difference between a show showing signs of age and a show clearly just going through the motions because they have nothing left and it's it's a cash grab at that point um which is certainly the case of when we talk about 
Melrose in his last year. But um, no, I mean, I think Stranger Things is eminently watchable still. Yeah, I, that's what I, I'm, I mean. I'm there are things more that, more and there are things that like I can criticize about it, right. but but it's really like poking holes for the sake of poking holes. Like it's still you know a sci-fi like romp. In, in a lot of ways so um no i think you're still i think you're going to like it i think you're probably going to like it more than season three yeah that's what i'm hearing so i'm definitely going to so watch you need it. to watch it yeah, yeah i'm definitely going to but but you know i so so that is kind of might be an interesting comparison in terms of looking at a show that looked like it was going to go the way of oh you're on like one season way too long um to actually potentially redeeming itself um, you know, it, later rather than sort of falling apart, it, it it gets back to the mojo that it once had. Yeah, I mean, I I never thought it went so far as to be falling apart, but I do think that this is a uh, a step up. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. There were shows. I mean, some of my favorite shows I gave up watching when I think they mm-hmm. just uh, had gone on too long. Like yeah. I stopped watching The Practice for the last two seasons. They did a big cast purge and after that i was like all right i'm done uh i didn't watch the last couple of years of the west wing yeah. uh after aaron sorkin left i didn't watch the last season of roseanne after they won the lottery because i'm like this is not the show that oh that was terrible that you know, last there, season. So that's yeah. probably a prime example of a, a show yeah. that jumped the shark in in like more recent memory but you know like i think the handmaid's tale was done by its second season because yeah. I don't think they knew. I don't think they envisioned a full series for for that adaptation. That's another and the, example. And The Walking Dead is another one, and I and that's still going. And I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong. It's not over. No, right? and I had left, but the show is still on, right? Yeah, and then they spun spun it off to like you know Fear They've the Walking two, Dead and <laughs> three spinoffs now. Yeah, yeah. And I think that yeah, I think they're doing a third that's like you know sees characters in DC or something like that. I don't even remember. But yeah, but like, like that should have, that is just like endless zombies shuffling, shuffling the earth. Yeah. Oh, Uh, but I, well, I'm reminded, I guess, of two things. So, uh, you know, another example of a show that has so deliberately changed its course, it has invented itself into something so different. I, I sort of don't even know how to categorize it, but I've lost patience with it. And that's Barry with Bill Hader and Henry Winkler on HBO, um, which yeah. thinks it's doing, which is doing movie quality work at the same time. It's not, it's not jiving with me, but because I don't think you've watched this yet. The new season of the boys. I did start watching it. Okay. I watched I'm I still one episode it. under my belt. Cause I'm still liking it. I am still liking it too. And I'm four, but... I'm four episodes in. Oh, okay. Okay. Cause I'm only one episode in and I'm still liking it. But I am starting to have a oh, oh dear. Feeling. They're doing the thing that I think shows have to do, which is they're just expanding their world. They're just enlarging their canvas. So I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt to see how they continue to do it. But I, but I mean, I still, I still think it's pretty awesome for the most part. Yes, I, I, I agree. So, um, but I, like I said, I am getting a little bit worried. But I, I'm good. I'm. I'm keeping the faith that um, that they'll do they'll do right. Yeah, I think we'll talk about it more when I think like the Stranger Things. Once you've seen both of those, we'll talk about them more. We'll have a special episode. I think all of our episodes are special, but that's me. 
<laughs> even specialer episode. Oh, another show that kind of kept reinventing itself to the point where I just stopped watching Westworld. I never saw that. Mm, I wouldn't even say try now. Okay, I won't. I saw a couple movies recently. Yeah, so let's talk about that. On Hulu, I saw Fire Island. And I liked it. Okay, you haven't cool. seen this, have you? I have not. I think it might have it might have popped up on my Hulu as like what to watch next, and I was like, oh, Fire Island. Well, and it's like the perfect that. timing for yeah, it because exactly. it's Pride Month, exactly, and and, and whatnot, and and, and, and so, well, yeah, yeah, it's all right, <laughs> all of it, all of it. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty clever. I think, I mean, I really liked it. I like the cast. It's written by Joel Kim Booster, who is a comedian actor, um, and it's him, Bowen Yang, and a couple other friends in their group of guys. They're a bunch of gay men, and they do their annual summer pilgrimage to the pines in fire island um which is a gay enclave where they're housed every year by margaret cho who is and whose character uh is a lesbian and these are like her boys her chosen family she came into a lot of money after like swallowing glass at a restaurant and used that money to buy this nice house and and doesn't have other family of her own so she welcomes them them there every year and so you know, some of them are more outgoing and more confident than others. Bowen Yang, who is, I don't know if you've seen on Saturday Night Live or not enough to know him, but he's very funny. Um, you know, he's the like the more introverted uh, guy, and and Joel Kim Booster is kind of the more like I'll say promiscuous, but just permissive of the two. Um, and so it's it's a week in their lives uh, on on Fire Island, uh, and they meet another group of men, and there are a couple of matches and maybe a couple of mismatches along the way. It's a very overt adaptation of uh, Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. It uh. even begins with the opening line, "Is it, a, it is a truth universally acknowledged, that sort of thing. So a lot of the characters and a lot of the storyline threads are completely analogous to the relationships in Pride and Prejudice. Obviously, the settings are totally different, different century, different country, different cross-section of people. All, you know, all of the circumstances are different, but but mirror um, what Austen originally wrote. And I actually think for the most part, uh, Joel Kim Booster does a really clever job of um, of, of drawing those lines. Uh, and the whole cast, I think, is really good, including Matt Rogers, who's another m- member of their guy group, who's also currently on the show I Love That For You on Showtime with um, Vanessa Bear and Molly Shannon, uh, which is a show maybe I'll talk about more next week. Um, and, yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a pretty solid movie. It starts to run circles around itself close to the end um we sort of have multiple scenes that kind of do the same thing the same couple of characters um talking about the same issue but not getting any further um you know but but i forgive it because overall the the whole movie is i think just so good the ensemble is really good it's all pieced together really well by director andrew on um and and the pines come off really well the way that it's photographed i think the editing is great i think a lot of the music choices are spot on um i'm trying to think the only other thing i 
think I've forgotten is to name one of the other men who is met on the island. He's played by Conrad Ricamora, who many uh, New York stage fans uh, will know. He's um, been in shows like The King and I on Broadway and Here Lies Love at the Public. And recently he was a Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors. Um, So a huge thumbs up from me for, uh, I, I mean, I think I'm allowed to say that. I don't think I'm stealing IP. A huge smile on my face. <laughs> a huge ass grin. For big ass movie. grin. Big ass um, grin for Fire Island. Yeah, I think everything about it truly works. And uh, Alyssa and I particularly loved uh, one scene where uh, they're playing a game in the house and it, devol- and it doesn't devolve, but it but it gets into sort of a generational attack on uh, that circles around my cousin Vinny. And I think that's a really great Oh scene. my God, I love that. Okay, I, I'm down um, with that. Uh, so yeah, that. that's on Hulu. Uh, definitely recommend it. I think it's a little less than two hours. Um, really easy, easy watch. And uh, yeah, perfect pride viewing. And so, and Joel Kim Booster, I think, who's not super well known and has been on some sitcoms and had comedy specials and that sort of thing, uh, really sort of announces his arrival uh, as a, I think, a major creative presence. Cool. So, yeah, Fire Island, everyone. And then another movie I know you have access to because it is on <laughs> Paramount Plus, which after some Sturm and Drang you are, are finally a uh, subscriber of, is The Lost City with oh, Sandra yes. Bullock and Channing Tatum. I want to see um, this one. I, I, see, think I you're haven't really, seen Sandy in a, in, in a long time. In you know, I don't know. I haven't seen her in any of those Netflix things she's done, like Bird Box or whatever the thing she did that she and Viola Davis were in. Uh, I just didn't see it. Yeah, I haven't seen any of those either. So, so I, I don't know what the last thing I've seen with her is. But I know you're going to like this because this movie it owes more than a little bit to uh, Romancing the Stone. I mean, this movie is Romancing the Stone. <laughs> okay, um, I'm there. Oh, God, I hope I don't get commercials. I don't know how it works if you're watching a feature movie. I think they just do a couple commercials at the beginning before the movie starts. Okay. Uh, I feel like that's my experience on Hulu and on Amazon when I watch a full-length movie. I, unless, it, unless it was f- filmed for commercial breaks in the first place right. i think i think if it ran in theaters then you will watch it uninterrupted it will just be a lot of commercials up front okay uh we talked about it in our other podcast guys who are listening that uh she, her subscription level is such that she has commercials when she watches and mine is not <laughs> i don't know what i did <laughs> um so yeah i mean the uh, yeah basically it is she she has a real background and a real gift for like science and you know like foreign countries and and you know cartography and everything but has used that interest uh to parlay that into a successful career writing romance novels. Uh, she lost her husband about five years ago. Um, she has this kind of dismissive relationship with the Fabio-esque cover model, uh, and that's played by Channing Tatum. Um, and then she gets kidnapped uh, by this rich guy who thinks she is uh, the key to him finding uh, this treasure um, in, in, in this foreign country. And uh, Daniel Radcliffe plays that millionaire um, in, a, I think, a very funny performance. So Channing Tatum seeks out to go and rescue uh, the Sandra Bullock character. Brad Pitt is also in it. 
Um, it's funny. It's not amazing, but it's cute and it kind of fits uh, a void because we haven't had a ton of these kind of adventurous romantic comedies. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I think of late. Um, you know, she's, uh, I don't know, she's not great. And I don't know if Channing Tatum is either. The one thing I, I found is that all of their line readings, all of their interactions separately and with each other are on kind of the same keel. So there's no room for it to grow. I think some of the scenes, especially when they reach like crisis points, should have been a little bit bigger than they were. Um, but it's kind of their style to play it cool. And I think uh, maybe they could have used a bit more variety, at least variety of intonation in some of their some of their interactions um, over the course of the film. But I mean, look, you know what this is going into it and it's fun. And, you know, the scenery is beautiful. I'm assuming most of it was filmed on location more than on a set or with CGI. Um, And some of it is, is quite stunning. So yes, it is formulaic, but look, I love romancing the stone and this, this kind of uh, uh, scratch that itch. Yeah, I love romancing. Actually, I was thinking about doing a romancing the stone rewatch the other day. So, <laughs> do them back to back. Yeah, maybe I will. Compare and contrast. Maybe I will. <laughs> maybe I will. And you went to the theater. And then I did go to the theater. Uh, I went to an off-Broadway show called The Bedwetter, which is about Sarah Silverman, specifically when she was a child. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar, she's a a comedian who specializes in like having like raucous mouth and kind of like potty humor, um, often going against the grain for the most part. I really like her. Um, and, uh, 10, 12 years ago, she wrote a memoir, um, called the bedwetter. I had a subtitle. I don't remember what it was, but it was, it was, uh, true vignettes from the course of her life and followed her into adulthood. This musical focuses on when she's 10 years old. Um, she her family moves to a different town uh, than the one she had grown up in in New Hampshire so she's starting over at a new school um there are some liberties taken in in that you know in real life she has several sisters in this show she has one but it's basically about her dealing with her parents who are divorced there is a family tragedy that has left her mother bedridden her dad meanwhile you know is a a big hound chasing women left and right um, and, and she has a lot of shame about this issue, which is she wets the bed every night. And of course it's all psychologically tied to a bunch of other things that are going on with her family in real life. She was, uh, you know, diagnosed as being depressed early on and given Xanax at a very early age. Um, and, and the show includes some of that, but mostly focuses on will these friends that she has tried to make like her how will they judge her um and how will the family sort of reconcile what they have going on there it's a little twee it's a little um it plays it safe you know like it feels kind of like kind of like a community theater type show that wants to wrap everything up with with a bow and not delve too deep into the harder stuff um and and I I can understand it, but but Sarah Silverman's whole shtick is like, look at the mess, talk about the mess, don't shy away from the mess. And in her book, she wrote about you know like she was 
given a lot of Xanax from the time she was 14 to 16, and it molded her into her adulthood. Um, and she follows a lot of that through her adulthood. She wet the bed into her adulthood. She's early 50s now and was doing it until a few years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's not... Uh, it's not the most elegant show in, in terms of structure. They they give you a lot of exposition um, to, f- to fill you in when they think like, okay, we haven't told you a lot. Now we have to tell you everything. Um, B.B. Newworth is her grandmother, who is an alcoholic in the show. And um, I think she's really underutilized. I think she was brought in as a replacement for Linda Lavin. But even having Linda Lavin, who to me is a legend. Yeah, feels definitely like. Underutilized. Yeah. <laughs> underutilized, yes. Um, now, Linda Lavin can sing on stage in her 80s. Now, I don't know how much she could sing, which may be one reason why they limited uh, what she could do vocally. Um, and, and, you know, tragedy kind of lingers over the show because a lot of the lyrics, uh, a lot of the music and lyrics were written by Adam Schlesinger who died of COVID. Um, he had done a lot of the songs on crazy ex-girlfriend. He did cry baby, the musical. He was the singer and writer for fountains of Wayne. Um, and had a, had a, uh, you know, was very talented and could create a lot of like fun rhymes and creative lyrics. And I don't know how much of that is really to be found in the show. They brought, uh, another esteemed, musician david yazbek in as a consultant and i'm not sure what what his role extended to i'm not sure how much he actually created or touched up um a lot of the music isn't really great but the acting by and large is zoe glick is the name of the woman who plays young sarah silverman i think she's terrific and i have to say an actor who i don't typically like named darren goldstein is awesome as her father and he also, well, and there's a funny thing because, so this show is set in 81. So there's a scene where young Sarah and her school friends are singing The Rose by Bette Midler or from <laughs> Bette Midler, uh, practicing for a talent show. And then Darren Goldstein shows up on this other Hulu show we're watching under the banner of heaven as a character's father. And that character is also singing The Rose. So, oh, so he can't get away from the from the rose from Bette Midler. Um, uh, so yeah, it's a it, it's a good cast. And I'm trying to think: have I left out anyone or anything else? No, I have to point out one error. Uh, the Sarah's mother, Beth Ann, played by Cassie Levy, although a new actress will play her for one week. It was just extended to July 10th. Anyway, that character is at home in bed all day because she too is depressed. And she watches a lot of film and she watches a lot of TV. And a lot of what she does is address the audience and talk to them about TV. Uh, And at one point she's talking to one of the characters about Cheers and Rhea Perlman being on Cheers. And maybe there's a meta thing because you have Cheers star B.B. Newworth in the show. And the character is also mentioning the show Cheers. But it's a factual error because Cheers did not begin until 1982. And this show is set in the fall of 1981. So interesting. Just a little dramaturgy from me there. Uh, like I said, the show runs at the Atlantic Theater for another five weeks, I think, through maybe July 10th. Um, I enjoyed it. It's highly enjoyable. Uh, good cast. Maybe not must see theater. I don't know that I see it transferring to Broadway, but I wouldn't be surprised if you saw it done regionally throughout the country. 
You know, it's funny because I haven't read the reviews. I just kind of saw headlines about, you know, the headlines about the reviews and maybe the, like the headlines about the show happening. And I thought it was a solo show. Yeah, I could see that. It's like they're selling it as like a solo show. And I think that that's to its detriment. Yeah. No, you should definitely know what that it's a family show. You should definitely know a bit more about yeah. what it's yeah. for. It was just Sarah Sil- Sarah Silverman's show based on her well, life. They're definitely and, selling you know. it on Sarah Silverman's name. Yeah. So I and she was even at the Tonys this weekend as a presenter. Like she is the face of this show. Um, Whereas I'm she, like, and, and you know, and she adapted the book. I should say uh, she is she is involved heavily with the show as part of its creative team. But yeah, uh, to uh, to an outsider, yeah, I would. I would probably first assume she's in the show. She's the show. Yeah. Like I thought it was like, like I thought it was her doing like the solo, like the West Beth solo show. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Had no idea. I like, you know, and I was like, BB Newirth is in it. Like you would have never known. No. And I don't know why, maybe it's because she doesn't really have that much to do in the show, but yeah, you'd think they'd uh, try and plug it with all they've got. Yeah. I mean, you would think, I mean, especially since BB Newirth is doing, um, Oh shit! What is she in right now that she she's like stealing the show? Oh, on oh, Julia. Julia, thank yeah. you, Julia. Um, sensational, and it's so great to see her on. You know, it's just so great to see her working. And yeah, she I hasn't mean, been around much. If you want, if you want a dose of uh, the great BB Newith, yeah, you'll find it in Julia. Yeah, and like, Not and of course, she's with David Hyde Pierce, so that's yeah, also a the Fraser reunion. Fraser, yeah. you know. But, but she's like wonderful. And so I would, I mean, if I was promoting this and again, it's easy to Monday morning quarterback, but I would be pitching her for all she's worth. Cause she's yeah, wonderful. Use it, right? Yeah. I mean, unless she doesn't want to do anything, which is completely possible. She might be like, I'm just, I'm yeah, just here. But even just sell the name. I'm just here collecting my paycheck. I don't yeah. want to do any press. You know what I mean? But I would be all over that because she is just so spectacular. Agreed. Um, and speaking of shows that that stuck the landing, uh, Frasier went out, I think, uh, on a great note. I, I think agree. 11, 11 seasons, and they were all great and, and, and all managed to and managed yeah. to do a final season that actually topped some of the ones before it. Yeah, yeah, I completely I think that that you are absolutely right. Frasier was one of the ones that never never faltered, never faltered. It was always. First, it was always so good. Such a great show. And I, yeah. think, I can't believe 11 seasons. That's a long time. That's a long time. That's a really long time. Did it outlive uh, Cheers? How long was Cheers? No, they were even. Cheers did 11 and Frasier went to 11. And I think Kelsey Grammer had a thing where he said, we are going to keep the show running as long as Cheers was on, no matter what. It was a ego thing. Okay. Okay. That's, but, you know, they had great right. writers that could keep it going. <laughs> an ego thing that sounds about right um okay but yeah that was that was really wonderful they're not rebooting that why do i feel like i heard they were rebooting they've, that? they've said that that rumor's been swirling around for a few years now okay. um and after this long if it hasn't materialized i don't think it's going to happen i mean the um, the, the biggest thing is to do it without martin since um yeah. john mahoney passed away he's like you're already missing a huge i know a huge part of what made it work um but it's i mean like i don't need to watch these 70 year olds and uh, you know like it's you can't you just can't recapture the magic and you know i don't really know what 
frame of mind uh, Kelsey Grammer is in these days mm. as an actor. So I don't know. I'd rather just leave it as it is. I think I think we just leave it as it revisit it. I mean, yeah. you know, I think it's uh my one of my fiance's brothers. It's one of his favorite shows. He's discovered I think more recently and watches it all the time. So every now and then we get to have current Frasier discussions, which is nice to me. Always welcome. Yeah, I I started rewatching it a while because it was on Hulu, right? It's on Hulu. I, I think it still is. I yeah. I haven't rewatched it, but I think it is. And I started watching it again, and I was like, you know, when I got into that, oh, let me watch Taxi. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, old TV is so good. Um, the but- Bedwetter actually gives Taxi a shout out in that same conversation when they talk about Cheers because they talk about Danny DeVito on that show as well. Oh, excellent, excellent. But yeah, so I I started and I was like, God. The show is just perfect. The yeah. show is just yeah, perfect. I, yeah, and found a way to keep getting better, which yeah. is the thing that really amazes me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, great show. Um, incidentally, you can see my review of the Bedwetter. Uh, I've posted it on uh, our Facebook page back on the Block Pod. Because where is it at um, on Garden State? Oh, yes. Uh, my home base where I write most of my reviews is currently Garden State Journal. So you can go to GardenStateJournal.com and you can see a lot of my theater, film, TV writing. Um, but yes, I do link now to a lot of those on the Facebook page as well. And sometimes I tweet them too. Oh, excellent. I, th- I should start plugging my stuff since I'm an award-winning You writer. should. I mean, this is award-winning work. I know. It's award-winning work. I should start plugging it. Um, cool. So, are we... Can I go to bed? Yes, you are dismissed. I mean... <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. As always, we'll be back next week. If there's anything... We know there's a ton swirling around. So, if there's anything in particular uh, you want us to talk about uh, or, you know, watch have an opinion on uh reach us on back on the block pod uh otherwise you know we always find stuff yeah but you guys stay well karen you go to bed you've had a very busy week um and we'll catch you guys on the boulevard next week stay well bye